Welcome to the Pirates Union Podcast. Today's guest, the author of her recent new thriller, The Dick Jorgensen Murder, Gloria Haas. So, how are you today, Gloria? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you. No, thank you. How are you doing, Tim? <laughs> I'm, I'm very good. Um, obviously, it's took a while to get you on. Unfortunately, I've not had a chance to read much of, of, your, of what you sent me. Uh, just due to an influx of everything. <laughs> so let's let's really talk about yourself. What what got you into writing? Well, I was in my 40s and I was having a lot of health issues. And no, it's my mid-30s, take it back. Um, I was having a lot of health issues and I went to the doctor. Um, you can't go to the senior center when you're in your mid thirties, unless you volunteer. The movie movie house was not, the one that was open during the day was having a lot of theft and guns and knives. So I decided I don't think that place is for me. And I was living in a good neighborhood and I was married at the time. Well, I went to my doctor and I had to explain a very delicate function that my body was doing and I was so, you know, embarrassed to even have to talk about it with a man. With a woman, I would have been more comfortable, but with a man. So I used these interests. I don't remember what words I used. And he looked at me. I was telling him that I was bored and there wasn't much to do. And he said, besides needing to get a lot of rest with what I had, he said, Gloria, you're quite prolific and have a way with words. Why don't you start? Why don't you write a book? Right. And that's what got me started. And I've enjoyed it. And I have over, I have about 21 self-published books. Well, that was something else I was going to get into as well. <laughs> I always love it when the uh, guest jumps my gun. Because I'm like, oh, I was waiting for that segment. Oh, damn it. But no, um, again, it's, I, I tend to find that a lot of authors tend to create really good stuff out of you know really low situations you know everything is either it's worst and it can get even more worse or what some people do is they turn it and just absolutely 180 degree reverse the situation and turn it into you know like you said you was uh dealing with certain issues and then you got told to do some writing 21 books later you know it's it's it speaks a lot for itself Thank you. Yep. Um, I did finally receive my copy. And that's the paperback version. I am waiting for, of course, this has to do with the storyline. But <laughs> no, I was very impressed because it seems with Amazon, their print quality has gotten a lot better than even last fall when I published, um, fall before I wrote this, I published a children's book. Um, my therapist who worked with people who had head injuries, um, she was helping me because I couldn't find a decent speech and cognitive therapist here. So I found out that my behavior, my former behavioral therapist worked with people who had been in comas, head traumas. So she spoke to me and, um, and I had a brain injury on February 10th, 2020 and global brain damage. And I had difficulty speaking um 
my personality was very limited. It was like people who have had a stroke and they're so limited in what they can do. And that's where I was. I was very unhappy. I was frustrated. Um, I couldn't think of words. My Greek, my reading level and a cognitive level went from a 60 something year old down to a seven year old. So it, it was a little tough. So I wrote a children's book months later and found out that the quality wasn't as good as it is now. But through that whole process, she said, why don't you do something you haven't done before? And when I started to learn a foreign language, I got excruciating migraines and it felt like ice picks going through my head, which I was told in my concussion group, you're over exercising your brain. And I thought, well, let's do something I hadn't done before uh, in writing. And I thought that was a thriller, but come to find out that because memory loss is part of the issue with head injury, I'd forgotten that I had written a couple years later. Right, okay. Years ago, I should say, years yeah, prior. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, obviously, you don't have to go to, to major detail. What, what, was, what, hap- what caused the um, head injury? I was under an enormous amount of stress from being harassed by a neighbor who wanted, this is not where I'm living now, but where I lived before, um, he wanted to have a more, more of a relationship than I did. And I told him to leave me alone and I was harassed. Yep. And then he had everybody ganging up on me about dropping the order of protection against myself, the restraining order. So because of that, my brain got exhausted and I went down and face planted a sidewalk with my chin and thinking that who would, you know, what would a little bruise like this cause, but it it took two weeks for the concussion to show up. So that's what some people don't realize as well is all it takes is a, a really strange hit on the concrete and it's, it's, you know, it's essentially it's lights out. Just give me a second. Let me get rid of this microwave. I'll have to cut this little tiny second. I knew it was coming. Just give me a second. Sorry. This is the joys people of having this podcast. Midway through. I might just make this a cooking show. You know, I might just make it, you know, I could be the next, uh, oh, what's the name now? Oh, what's the name that's got that cooking show? It's all right. I've got it down to a T. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. No, is it? Jane? It's not. You want to go years ago, it was Graham Kerr. <laughs> no, there's a, I can't remember her name. She's an American, um, she used to do loads of like cooking shows. Uh, she's really, really well known. Paula Dean? No, a bit late, a bit later than, maybe a bit, because uh, she's like 80s, 90s, isn't she? No, Paula Dean's in her probably 60s or something. No, no. I mean the decade. Oh. The, the, the decade. Oh, Julia Child. She was doing, doing a lot of cooking. Uh, I think it does begin with a J. It's, yeah, Julia Child's was very... Um, definitely a J in there. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take this half, one side of these oven gloves. Don't burn your finger. It's precarious. This is it. I might just leave this in. This is great. Is that? Oh no, this, this is wild. Yeah, you're gonna have to sort of grab it and reverse your hand round. That was skill. That was actually, I wish that was caught on camera. That was impressive. That could have been uh, a Marvel cinematic piece. Blimey. 
Could uh, yeah, I don't give it back to me. I, yeah, I don't want it now. Put it in the sink, blimey. <laughs> Keep no, well, yeah, I ain't gonna take it by open hands. Yeah, whack it over. Get it going. Sort of burns me. So right, good I'll, job. Yeah, it's, t- <laughs> it's teamwork. I'll, uh, I will, I'll, what I'll do is with, with random snippets, I tend to cut them and turn them into a bonus episode, like a little bonus bit. Because they're, they're always really random and it's, it is funny, but it's like, is it worth podcasting? Is it like, is it worth putting into the episode or is it just worth? Okay. Yeah, it's, it is literally like bloopers. I, uh, again, just before we, we get back in, I tend to mess up first names a lot, like really bad. It doesn't matter what ethnicity they are it doesn't matter they could they could be english and i'm i fuck it up completely it does it makes no difference sometimes the more confusing it is the more i get it right but then you know when you second guess yourself and you're like nah that's not going to be right so as an example uh the last guest was uh, his name was mark jansen uh and i and originally i was like okay mark jansen and i was like but is it pronounced jansen uh, and I was like, hmm, maybe it is. It sounds like it could be that way. And then it turns out I was wrong. It was Jansen. But do you know when you just, you know, you always second guess yourself. So let's get let back, get back into it. Another Tim Turner outtake. Another Tim's Tales. A new segment. Uh, yeah, so obviously, I mean, the thing is, when you like fall on concrete, it could just go absolutely any way. Uh, one of my family members many, many years ago, uh, he got punched on a night out and just took a bad fall. And again, you know, he just done, done him in. So what was, I mean, again, you don't have to go too much into it. What was some of the hardest things that you had to face with that? Obviously, you said that you started writing and you started with the children's book. And then obviously, I would imagine that you just progressed your way up, you know, from doing that to uh, what you're doing now, which is the full a full thriller novel. Uh, but what was like some of the biggest real challenges? With the head injury or writing? Um, between the two, because I'd imagine that they, they, they sort of correlate in a way. You know, they, there's probably... Yeah. Well, I had to build up my vocabulary again to an adult reading level before I could even attempt an adult book because I couldn't even recognize some words. And then words started coming back and then I had to research, is this really a word that I'm thinking of? Oh yeah, okay, that is a word. And what does it mean? I had to relearn my language all over again. But one of the difficulties, challenges that I had when writing this book was I would write and write for two hours. And then the rest of the day, my brain was so overstimulated. The world was swirling, could hardly walk. And I have a dog, so I would have to take her out. And she's not keypad trained and refuses to be because that would have made my life a lot easier to have handled. And then I realized that when I had to go to the eye doctor and I was, and I cut my time down to an hour, which I was told was still too much of writing time. And I found out that I exhausted my brain. People with head injuries and their families don't realize that if they do too much, then they're going to go sleep. Their brain's just going to shut down. You're not going to be able to wake them up or anything else. And I found out that while standing in my kitchen, everything started getting darker and I went to the floor and I still hit my head on the left side on the floor and it was only this far above. Yep. 
but it's still, I still, for some reason, had a, a little break in my skull, but I didn't know for a couple of days and um, didn't know it was even, had even bled. And even, I couldn't even brush my hair on this side. So I would just, you know, with my, smooth it down with my fingers. And then um, I was out for about 20 minutes that I know of. I awoke with my dog sniffing my shoulder, like in my face, like, are you still okay? And the next day I could feel it. And I went to grab my walker and I, I did a, a, some type of ballerina move and then hit up against the door of the storage closet and hit the ground, but I was only out for a few minutes. So I had to really look at, okay, an hour is too much. And okay, what do I need to make changes doing in what my daily you know, program of life. So I had like a three week delay in being able to work on this book, but it was still went out when it was supposed, you know, even earlier than I thought it would. So it's like taking it easy and only and timing myself like 45 minutes. If I'm going to write, just do 45 minutes. And that gives me a few minutes in case I have to do research and stuff. And rest an hour before and one to two hours afterwards in a dark quiet room with no music no sound so my brain can actually rest well that's kind of what they're doing like office places now is that they recommend that you sort of do 45 minutes on and then like 15 minutes off because you're just consistently you know damaging your brain because you're just thinking about everything 24 7 to the point where you know you go even from an office job you go home and you, you can't switch off you know, you're still thinking about every single thing that you've done that day. Ah, oh, did I fuck this up? Ah, oh, did I get this right? You know, well, what's my boss thinking of me or whatever? You know, it can be absolutely anything. And and that's that's the problem. If you're just consistently grinding away, chances are you're just absolutely grinding away. You know, it's... It, and then you have your phones and you're on the internet. You're still exhausted. Oh, yeah. You're using your brain. You're not resting. You're watching a movie. You're listening to music. Your brain is still processing all of that. And I didn't realize how much energy it took to even go outside in the wind. Because if the wind hits that stimulating or walking, the brain is still having to catch up and processing all of that. So people are not utilizing very good brain health but we don't know that and don't really can we really relate unless we've had a head injury i don't know but that's the other thing with head injuries as well is if you've had a severe head injury nine times out of ten you end up having more just because of collapsing or blacking out or you know if you black out there's absolutely nothing you can do not a single thing you can't put your hands out <laughs> you know and that's it's almost it's 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 like a, a snowball effect in a way, you know, it's like you, you almost have to find a way where you can just stop that blackout. Like you say, you know, you was doing X amount of hours, you reduce it and then you find your comfortable medium. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it's, it is tricky. I mean, it, it is tricky to, to, to find that sweet spot where, you know, you're not going to overwork yourself. Exactly. And the brain's always an influx with a head injury. So I could wake up really tired today and it might take me a few because of what i did 48 you know two to three days ago it takes time for everything to to play catch up so that's you know also goes into it and 
now that I, after two years, I, on two weeks, I finally achieved where when I go outside, I, I don't list to the side when it, um, when the wind blows, my brain is finally able to get the balance and keep me going. But that still takes up a lot of brain energy. And by seven o'clock at night, I'm, I'm asleep. <laughs> and I get up at four in the morning. And that's, you know, that's it's what like some people don't realize as well is everything <laughs> you're doing that you don't even think about, you know, walking, hand gestures, you know, micro expressions in your face, it all takes, you know, en energy, you know, we are literally like a battery in which we sleep, and we recharge, we get up for the next day, whatever we do that day, let's say today I do bugger all, well, chances are tomorrow, I'm probably going to feel pretty lazy, you know, if I get up today, do a little bit of work, have half a day off, I'll probably do the exact same, you know, the following day. If I overwork myself that day, the following day I'm going to be knackered. You know, again, it's that little sweet spot and it's really tricky to, to find. It's like, how much should I do before I physically, before I get a beneficial, before something beneficial comes out of it and I don't grind myself down, you know? Exactly. It's like, if I have, a, if I have this podcast interview on Thursday, then what am I going to be doing? I can't do one every day. I can't do two a day. So I have a Thursday podcast. My next one won't be till Monday. And probably if I schedule another one, Thursday or Friday, and then I have to give myself plenty of time in between not to do too much. And that's all trial and error. <laughs> it's called listen to your brain. Yeah. Especially if you're, if you're a one-man crew as well. I mean, when people look listen to podcasts, and it's most of them are spectacular, but you're like, you do realize that's a nine-man crew. There's a lot going on. You know, if you're one, even a two-man, I'd love to have a second person to just sort half my shit out. It threw up so much brain power, like a hell of a lot. So what made you, um, let's go back to the book. What made you decide to write a thriller? Is there something that drew you towards writing thriller books? Or was it just something that you've always been interested in? Well... I'm going to have to skirt around this one because of legalities. <laughs> um, um, no, I started uh, because I have super clairvoyant, supernatural oh, powers. Yeah, People call, that one. <laughs> call me a psychic. I was working on cold cases, um, oh, a couple wow. of cold cases um, with a, a police officer, and I can't say what state. No, no, it's cool. But I was able to help resolve one of the cold cases, and I can't. We're, we're waiting for um, certain legalities to take place so her body can be exhumed and the family can be notified. Wow. And it was after 30 some odd years. Uh, and wild. it, yes, and how I got into that was, I believe I had a girlfriend saying, I said, what do you see me doing? I'm sitting at a point in my life, like, what do I want to do? I'm retired. I don't, I don't want um, to go downhill mental decline. I need to be active, but there's only so many books, movies you can read and watch. And she said, I see you working with the dead. And I started laughing. I said, you see me, what? So I went and then I hear go on Facebook. And one of my um, friends uh, came up with a, a missed family member. And I started having visions. 
So I contacted the police about it and I was working with them. And then I was helping them with another case that was not assigned to the police officer. And then I started thinking if I, you know, then he asked me, can you write a book on it? I said, no, I can't write true crime. I cannot base it on that because I can be sued and you have to go through a lawyer and get contracts. So then I got to thinking if I take parts of a case and I highly fictionalize it, I can go ahead and write a thriller because I found it very fascinating and being able to speak and seeing visions of what happens and everything else. I thought this, and I was talking with some friends. They said, why don't you put it into a book? That would make for really good writing. And also that would also help my brain in the process of healing. So that's how I got into it. That's, see, that's one of the best stories I've heard of getting into writing. I've spoke to a lot of authors. That's a crazy one. Um, again, when I speak to authors, some of them have different hobbies. But that was something I was going to get into, the, the clairvoyancy thing. You know, I've had, I've spoke to people before, one person before. It was a very wild show. Uh, f for me, because I was like, it, it, some of the stuff totally blew me away in terms of, uh, you know, what, what he was talking about. It was, I believe, every single word he says. Um, you know, but it was just like, holy shit, like, this is crazy. Just because I'd never heard anyone, apart from, apart from the mild things I've experienced, there's been very few people that I've spoke to via Zoom or face-to-face that have gone, hey, this is a, you know, it's one of the joys of podcasting is you get to hear all these crazy things that you don't normally get to hear if you was just meeting any Tom, Dick and Harry on the street. I can't even believe I use that phrase in then. Fucking hell. <laughs> Jesus. Tom, Tom, Dick and Harry on the street. Uh, but uh, writing's always been something that's fascinated me. The same with authors. Uh, and the fact that, you know, you, you've brought something that's real life and then you've took that into your story, uh, over-fictionalized it or what, you know. I, I love that because some of the best, some of the best thrillers were based loosely upon you know real crimes and yes. it's what makes them so good you know i'm a big big fan of john grisham huge fan of john grisham novels uh i don't know if you've obviously everyone's heard of him i don't know if you read any of his yes, stuff I, I <laughs> watch some of the movies and oh yeah i forgot there's, a, there's quite a few movies as well there's a the lincoln lawyer i think they did a film of that is that the one with matthew mcconaughey i believe yeah they did another one in the 90s but i keep forgetting that one well Maybe. that one just really i couldn't finish yeah it was it was pretty morbid yeah it was that was back in the the 90s films where everything was sort of like a little bit gory a little bit psychological but they, they, some of them didn't stand up you know there was always trying to replicate silence of the lambs personally that's my thought um but the but uh, the thrillers. What's have you ever thought about doing? Like a, obviously, you've done twenty one books. Have you ever thought about doing? Have you got any series like trilogies? Have you ever thought about doing sort of linking them all together? You know the way in which John Grisham does because some of his books they all sort of tie in. Well, that's what I'm doing with this one. I um, I 
Will, it's Jeanette Bauer and the Bauer Detective Agency. And all of my books that I have that are thrillers, I'm hoping for all my books that are gonna be, that are the thrillers, are going to be utilizing Jeanette and her father, Mark, who's a retired police officer, who's the private detective, in doing more cases, because each cold case is going to be different. Yes, I am. I'm going to make this into a series. See, that's, see, that's what I like. I always like to hear because I'm a big fan of like multi, especially in this day and age, like multiverses and series. You know, it's what makes it big. It doesn't matter what it is, like Harry Potter, fucking Lord of the Rings. You can name it. There's Marvel. You know, there's so many of them, and I find Indiana Jones. People forget yes. about those. People forget about those as well. There were so many young Indiana Jones. People believe. Most people won't even know what young Indiana Jones is. Um, but there were so many little short stories, which created a, an almost an ever-expanding universe. And I like authors that kind of do that because it's, it's tricky and challenging. And it is, it is very mentally stimulating as well because one of the greatest examples is Stephen King. You can read one of his books and then several books later it'll mention uh, a character that had been in like Juniper Hills back in the day or from like Shawshank or something. And that's like completely two different books, but th there's a universe that's tied, even though they're two different complete plots. You know, I think it was the, the Tommy Knockers maybe did it with Pet Cemetery or something like that. It did it as well. Uh, there's a few that link together. But, you know, that's, that's, that's what everyone wants is like a genuine series, a lovable character that they can just follow through, you know? That's what I, I've mentioned a character in this book that didn't go anywhere. And I will actually have a book with her in it as well, because I've already had visions of, I don't know, it's not a real person, but I had visions about this um, after seeing um, an insect and everything. And I thought that would work really good. So that would be a twist in one of the books. See, that's always another good thing is like background. Sometimes it's not necessarily going to be the main character, but it's like background characters. And and just when you read it, you, you know it's tied into the universe. Because you go, oh, I've read that name before. Where did that come up? And it also, it, then it makes you search back because it like, it, it's very, it's why I love things like that. I'm a big, big fan. It's, I, need to, I do need to read. I think Stephen King's got a new book out. I need to read that. Uh, what, who are some of your favorite authors? Well, when I started out reading years ago, Ray Bradbury, I was into science fiction. Okay, um, yeah. Arthur C. Clarke. Yep, mentioned that last show. Alistair <laughs> 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 McLean, um, yep. Jack London. And then when it came into, um, oh, then my mother got hooked, me hooked on romance was rosemary rogers but there's only so much of those that i could have that i read and um gosh i can't and sometimes i'll find not just a favorite author to keep reading uh beverly lewis is another one i love the amish background i have quaker background on my dad's side of the family okay. so that just brought to life and it was some of the interests that I had. And my mom would look at me and say, where did you get that from? <laughs> Come to find out it's in the DNA. But like, uh, <laughs> I like, um, I just read a book. I can't remember her last name, Bethany Turner. That's it. I read one of her books, but, and it's called Hadley Beckett's Next Dish. So that was like the Food Network, Paula Dean wrapped all into it. I really liked it, but her other books 
don't sound interesting to me. So I just might find not a new favorite author, but just a new favorite book here and there. No, that makes sense. So the, the, the Quaker thing, I've, I've got to touch upon that. What's, what's that like? I mean, this first time I've ever had a, a guest on the show that's, that's mentioned being a Quaker, that's, it's a very, it's a very niche. Um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a pagan. Um, I was, you know, baptized as a child, but I, I don't really, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of on, on the edge about a lot of things. I, I believe in a lot. I, I'm not specifically like, I don't, I don't believe in, I don't, I'm not like, hey, it's the devil, you know? It's, I believe in like a lot of old gods, tons and tons of like, I believe in a lot of Egyptian gods, Greek gods, uh, Norse gods. I believe in a hell of a lot of stuff. Um, but what's, but I've never got like, I've never really looked into the Quaker thing. It's just something that's always like mentioned on like a series or on TV. And then they just show like a person that represents that culture, you know? And it's like, that's not really exactly doing anybody any favors. Do you know what I mean? It's Well, so... the Quakers have Americanized. Um, I didn't realize that until about 40 years ago. But I didn't know that I had Quaker ancestry until I did my DNA on my father's side of the family and started looking back with the ancestors and found out one of my friends was actually a cousin. And she sent me a whole bunch of stuff that um, I was able to look back on. But also there was some Amish in there as well, that I was always attracted to the Amish way of life and everything. And I wanted to live in a time where there was wagons and horses. And my mom's oh, like, yeah. you're, so you know, I have an affinity for horses. And she's like, where in the world did you get that from? I don't know, mom. Well, now she's passed and I'm not able to tell her, mom, this is what the DNA showed on dad's side of the family. But I had never been, of course, to Amish or Mennonite church. But 40 years ago, before I even knew that I had Quaker ancestry, I dated a guy and I asked him what your religious belief. He said, Quaker. And I said, what do I, he asked me to go to church with him. I said, what do I wear? He said, well, you need, he said, I don't want you to be afraid, but I'll be wearing these black hats and this suit and everything else. And he was joking. <laughs> and it was very casual and laid back with a female minister. And we did sit on very hard wood pews and that was the only thing i'm sitting and moving around like this a lot it's like oh my butt was sore but <laughs> but it wasn't any different than going to any other church i had been to well that's something that i like to clarify for everybody out there especially people in the uk because most people in the uk think oh the army sure do raise barns all day it's like no they don't come on man do you really think that's what they've just spent two thousand years doing just raising up fucking barns all the time why wouldn't there be barns all over the place? What's going on? You know, it, it, like some people, again, I, I do comedy and I've, I know a few comedian friends and we go back and forth for shit. And uh, we speak, this like things like that always crop up. And it's like, I think you're kind of wrong on that. So for the, for the listeners out there, that isn't what happens. Not with the Quakers, but no. with the Amish and the Mennonites, they still do the barn raising. Oh yeah, but it's not like... Indiana and Pennsylvania, yeah. and they still wear, you know, they have the beards, but oh, yeah, that yeah. is, you know, and the women hand make their clothes and everything. But oh, yeah, the I mean, have modernized. 
My, my point is that, like, no. in the UK, we over-dramatise it. Uh. Do you know what I'm getting at? Like, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> you, you know, I know, I know it happens. Uh, I've, 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 shit, I'd love to go back to a time like that myself. If it weren't for podcasting, I'd love to just completely go off grid. Um, I've thought about it a lot, just buying a small bit of land, if I could afford it, and just, you know, building everything out of wood. Fucking just chop my trees down that are there, build everything up. As long as I've got somewhere to podcast, I don't really care that much, you know, in terms of, like, it's always something I'd love. Again, my dad's got a farm, so, you know, it's, uh, it is what it is. But it's just always something that's always intrigued me. Because, you know, you just see it on films, but you never get to talk to anybody that's, you know, closer to it than the TV screen, you know. So, now it's good to clear that uh, for the listeners out there. So, obviously, uh, you also talk, you know, you do your own show. Let's let's talk about that. I've not really been able to check that out. What, what got no, you into I, I don't do my show anymore. I stopped because oh. it was getting too much with my head injury. And being able to write, it was just really taking a lot out of me, a lot of anxiety and and stress with my head injury. So I had stopped that. It was a Christian show, and I interviewed different Christian um, figures and people who are not widely known, and just trying to help, you know, give them a boost in what they do. See, even then, talking about religion, you know, I think Jesus was real. I still, I'm, I'm completely on. I'm not on the over the fence on anything i just i do not know i'd rather believe in everything than just to be sure you know there's no rule against that <laughs> no just investigate just investigate it i'm not going to say you know you have to do anything just i just suggest you investigate the truth for you 100 percent. so let's get into the spiritual side of things mm-hmm. um what sort of uh, experiences have you had obviously you've said you know that you've, you've had visions and then that's led to inspiration have you had any really supernatural-esque moments where it's kind of gone whoa what's going on here yes my father and mother freaked out <laughs> a couple of times um i was i don't i don't know if we were moving from indiana to california I just remember having, you know, you, talk, you see those 57, 56 Chevys and stuff. And yep. I don't know if it was um, what car it was. I think it might have been a 58 Chevy that my dad drove from or Plymouth from Indiana to California with my mom and my brother. And I, he was, re- I don't know if that was a relocation or if we were driving to see friends. So if it was the time of we were moving, I was three and a half to four years old. And I remember this is before seatbelts and seatbelt laws. And you had the big wide bench seat in the front, but you could, and no headrests. So I was able to stand up. I was bored sitting down. So I was standing up on, there's a hump in the back seat that I could stand on. And my dad is looking at the gas gauge and telling my mom, they had, he goes, Elaine, we've never been down this street, this road before. We're running out of gas. I don't know what we're going to do. And we're at the very top crest of a hill and it goes down really low and a real steep up rise. And he said, I don't know how long we're going to make it. And my mom goes, well, just do the best you can. And I said, dad, up there on the left, 
He said, where up on the left is he's driving and he's looking. I said, there's a gas station. When you get to the top of the next hill, and I had never been down the street before, this road, I said, on the left is a gas station and a place where we can go to the bathroom. And there's, you know, like a, and he's like, what? And so was, I said, but it's on the left. You have to be very careful because when you get to the top, you're gonna have to make an, a, a real quick left dad. And he's like, okay. And so we get up there and there's the gas station on the left and he pulled in real quick and he looked at my mom and goes, how does she know these things? And I just start walking to the gas station. She goes, where are you going? I said, to the bathroom. I knew exactly where the bathroom was. And she said, we need a key. I said, no, mom, they keep it unlocked. We don't need a key. And we went in and we're talking like 1960, 1961. You know, so there's a lot of trust where basically we yeah, didn't yeah, even yeah. have to lock our doors so that's what happened and my dad just looked at my mom and and looked at me and then he said Gloria when we get back in the car I want you to sit in your seat and just be quiet <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the best response he could give as well like I remember uh, myself I was really young and this was a story that I got told to myself uh, by my mom uh, apparently my nan was looking after me when I was about four or five years old. And uh, I basically walked her to my local shop, which was, it was some weird twists and turns. It wasn't just like a straight route. You know, we lived on this hill, you mm -hmm. have to go down this hill. Then you'd go down this little bit of a slope, a little bit up, it was a path. And then there was like a tunnel at the bottom of it. Uh, but you go up there all the way around this huge sort of big S bend, uh, sorry an l like a big huge l and he was at the shop uh but it was one of them like i think there's something where you're younger and you've got this weird sense you just know something and it's it's so unexplainable you can't you know even when i got told that as, as an adult i was like well, i don't remember doing that I was like, what are you talking about like how would i even do that like and it's something that you just don't think about I mean, it's weird because, you know, I've got a, a young son now and there's there's moments where we'll just sit down, we're playing, and the next minute it just goes and looks off like that at the ceiling. And I'm like, what are you doing? I'm trying to get his attention. I'm like, Dane, Dane. And he's just like looking at the ceiling. I'm like, what the fuck is going on up there? You know, it's, it's very, very strange. I think that kids are really in tune with their environment. And we, we don't see nothing. You know, we, we become adults. We like, like we said earlier, you know, you... You end up spending most of your time filling up your brain, you know, with capacity and you're overworking it. Well, you know, kids aren't necessarily doing that. They're just taking in new information. Well, at some some moment, I would imagine that there's a lot of information that we don't know that they do because they're taking in everything. Their senses are all over the place. You know, when they're first born, they don't see completely. You know what I mean? It takes them a while to be able to see anything. Well, what's going on during that process? You know, are they just completely seeing straight away? Or is there a whole bunch of wacky shit coming and getting involved? You don't know. It's a, it's a very, a lot, you know, there's a lot going on, I believe. Yeah, there is. Um, I know that my dog even sees into the spirit world. And I was bringing it more to a current event that has happened last year. I was walking my dog on the street and of course there's this she has fear aggression so i have to be careful about 
when I see people walking, I have to hold her back or with other animals because she came, she's a rescue and came from a very abused situation and she's been attacked by dogs. Yep. So she has regression with everything, but she's come a long way. What are, what in ten, you, in the 10 years. She's a Jack Russell Chihuahua mix. Okay. <laughs> yeah. She's about 10 pounds, 11 pounds. Oh. And um, so anyway, we we're walking and I held her back and there's this guy walking down the street in front of me. And then there's a street to my left. So he turns left. So I was wa watching him because I had this odd, the hair on the back of my neck sort of stood up. Yep. So I thought, I'm going to watch him be aware of my surroundings to see what's going on. So my dog and I turn around and we're watching him and all of a sudden he's gone. It's like he walked right into in the middle of the street. He walked right into another dimension of a door. And my dog's looking around like, where did he go? And just looking for him. <laughs> That's, you know, it's crazy because I love these types of conversations. And I mean, something that has recently came up it was total it was a bullshit video but it was on youtube and i occasionally just flick through uh, and i'm a big fan of it. i love conspiracies i love looking into everything um i've recently for some reason there's been like a couple of uh, because the playstation 5's out and it's given me all these random games and stuff and occasionally i'm like man them graphics are cool i don't even game but it's interesting to watch like the development of games mm -hmm. um and, I'll, and upon clicking a couple of things, it basically fucked my algorithm up and it just started chucking me really weird stuff. So it must have, it basically mixed up my love of conspiracies and mild horror with gaming. And then what it did was chucked out some random creepy pasta type thing. I don't know if you've heard, heard of that. It's like fan fiction. Um, it's like essentially like a weird universe in itself but it's like fan fiction. People just write a story that's a bit creepy and whatever. Yeah, and you just put it, it and then just follow. put it out there. No, I mean, I don't follow it <laughs> at all. But, but you know, this, this video came, came, came up on my uh, algorithm and it was uh, called the back rooms, like found footage. And I'm a big fan also of old VHS found footage, you know, stuff that people have found in like garage sales and whatever. And that it, cause it couldn't be anything. And, you know, you just never know what you can get on. It's a gold mine. And there was this clip, like found footage, the back rooms. And essentially it started off and it was mad. It was made by this kid that's 16. Shout out to him. I can't remember his name, but it was really well made. Um, and it was just him on the street playing with a the camera. They were doing something. And the next thing he like leans against a freight container. And then he, he ends up in this weird sort of endless labyrinth of like it looks like a shitty office like shitty office corridors like the room all the paint is yellow it's a musty yellow carpet and it just keeps going on and on and on i mean it was the guy made it himself it wasn't real he just made it all on a, a, some animation software and whatever but it was so cool that you, you bring that up about slipping into a different dimension that yesterday that come up on my radar and I was like, oh, that's that's kind of interesting. That I've never thought about it. Imagine if you just leant against a wall and then you just fell through into some weird sort of endless maze of bullshit with, you know, whatever's coming after you. And it's it's kind of in itself a really, it's never going to happen. But, you know, it's it's cool to think about, to go, huh, imagine if it did, though. Just, what would you do? You couldn't do anything. <laughs> exactly. You, what are you going to do? You just go yeah. with the flow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a really cool video. I mean, it lasted like five, seven minutes. And it was 
was pretty cool. I mean, the amount of effort and work the, the kid had done, he was 16. Uh, and it looked amazing. I was like, this looked kind of legit. Like, he was walking and talking. There was, like, shadows on the wall and stuff. And there was stuff, like, coming after him. The thing that coming after him was bollocks, I'll admit. What coming out... The CGI, that the, the monster that came after him was dog shit. You, that was my only slight against the kid. Sorry, kid. You could have done better on that. But I bet you it's got 50 million views. At least. You know, just because it's some weird niche thing. So that's 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 another Tim's tale, by the way. <laughs> but it's, it's just, sorry, it's a segue is what it was. You mentioned it and I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that yesterday. So, um... Being an author, what, what what was it like getting publicised? Because I've spoke to a few authors, they always found it there was like a weird process in doing so, and I always like to get everyone's process because it's every single time it's it's always different. About thirty some odd years ago, we didn't have Amazon. We didn't. This is just before internet. So I ended up, or just around the time of internet, and I went through iUniverse and paid to have your book, you know, done and distributed. I went through Ingram Publishing and distribution. And I found out that with iUniverse and with Ingram, they can pull your book at any time and not distribute it, even though you've paid for it. Huh. So I had ordered a whole bunch of copies and I sold like $300 worth the first year, which I thought was pretty good. But that was before everything. And I was able to do book signings and stuff like that. But that was before bookstores decided that we're not going to take independent authors anymore because some of the books were garbage and some yeah. weren't. So, and I've always been told that my books are good. So I'm just going with what I've been told. But that's where it's, you know, a, a tricky one there that if you're not, if you didn't have a name like Tom Clancy, John Grisham, you know, Catherine Coulter. Um, the big names, James Patterson. There are even some other authors you might like, Janet Ivanovich, who I've checked their net worth. They don't sell as many books as the other ones do, as the other authors do. So it's it's a really different process. I even went through a publishing house and even faked being a literary agent to ask about my book. She said, while she's a good author, she's not outstanding, things don't pop. She writes too much from the heart. And yeah, the they said, exactly. And that was one of the bigger name presses. And it was just like, okay. And I wrote back and said, what does she need to do? Well, just tell her to keep writing was all that I heard back. So it was difficult and people were telling me I like your book because you write from the heart you're a great storyteller but things just never picked up and really took off and went anywhere so I'm still writing because I love writing and I enjoy the process have you ever thought about writing a thriller that's somewhat based upon what you've just said but the person's consistently trying to get published and they just don't. So they just whack off the next person and they just work their way through the book and just go, listen, and it gets more devious, you know, because people are going missing all the time. You know exactly what's going on, but you, you know, the, the, the people in the book, the characters don't know. And that's where, that's where you could weave it in. You know, you could go, well, I've had enough of you, Sandy or whatever her name is, you know, 
and then she gets pushed out of a window. And then next scene, you know, they all come going in. Oh, what's going on? And it was like, you know, the police question you. Well, I was just come here to get my deal done yesterday. And, you know, it turns out she signed it. You know, that's that's the ending, by the way. But do you get what I mean? That could be a, could be a good book. Could oh, be a, no, that could be a, that's not based on a cold case, so no. I, no, well, it, um, well I could, there's a, that's where you have to get yourself into the role. There's a, a film recently that came out with Jason Mewes. Uh, he's, again, it's a very random film, but he's a, an actor, and he basically just gets himself into the role. And it's like, he's basically like auditioning to be like a murderer. And, you know, inadvertently along the way, he, like, murders people and gets into the role. So, you could, you know, it's, that's the way to go about it. So. I'm only negating it because my next book is based on a doctor who kills off his different his patients in different ways. Ah, some Harold yeah, so. Shipman kind of deal. <laughs> is it, is it Harold? Have you ever heard of Harold Shipman? No, I don't remember if I have. He's a, uh, a doctor that was from the from the UK who killed a lot of his patients. I would do some if if you're doing the doing a book, I'd get some research on that guy because he was he's legit. He he fucking killed. I think it was like 181 people or something. It was a wild, vast number. It was well, I don't, early 2000s. The book that I'm going to write is how a friend of mine was allegedly killed by this oh. doctor. And I had spoken with his, um, one of his nieces after his death. And she was telling me the findings that her and um, his mother had found out. So, yeah. See, that's what I literally, and this doctor got away with murder with, and never got caught. See, that's what I like about true crime as well, is I'm a big, big fan. I've always been a fan, Um, especially in terms of, I mean, the things that I like is old, like, serial killers and shit like that. Uh, it's not like I'm fascinated by it. But, you know, back in the day, it was just something that I'd always, like, always been to. Because it was always, I always liked to not put myself in a person's situation, but imagine their psyche. How the hell would you get to that specific moment? What what trauma was caused? Um, you know, I've done, like, a few courses myself. Uh, just to, It's always something that fascinated me. Um, but there's, there's always... Re- there's always something about cold cases that always intrigues people because there's so many crimes out there that are still to the day unsolved. Exactly. And this is where, you know, my conspiracy part of my brain kicks in because it's like, Hey man, we could solve this maybe one day, you know, obviously I'm never, it's never going to happen, but you know, do you know what I mean? It's like you almost delve your brain into it sometimes and go down the rabbit holes. Do you ever do you ever do that when you you look into stuff and you know do you ever sort of go uh, Clarice Starling in Hannibal where she's got all the fucking shit all over her walls and the documents everywhere note tapes that makes sense it's a really it's a, it's a really good reference but I'm not sure it landed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't have anything taped on my wall, but no. I do have notes in a notebook and um, the visions that I've had and. They're on recall, but um, if more people with supernatural abilities would work with different police departments, there's so hundreds and thousands of cold cases, then yes, they can be solved. There is a chance, but then you get into the bureaucratic wheels of, we're not going to put money 
out there, the police are like, we're not going to put money out there on a hunch. And had they done that when I first started working on this one case, instead of waiting till a year and a half later, because you have to build the evidence because everything I said was exactly the way that the cadaver dogs had found the woman's remains exactly. But sometimes like I saw the woman in the house when actually her remains are around the house. So I'm finding that things aren't just literal. And when I was helping find a missing person in Idaho, I thought what looked like a tree to me was actually a large bush. So you, and he was laying on top of it. And I, the area I described was the same as the entire area around there and somebody. So, well, that also sounds like this area and they found him, but he was off the beaten track because of the steep incline of where he, you know, he was ejected from his car, what people didn't see him from the road. So it's if people would just actually get involved and start working on these cases, write down their visions, see what they do, contact the police about it and help find these lost people who the family needs closure. But if they're like, you're looking at 40 to 50 years ago, the bone, okay, yeah, you're, you might not have bone because it takes that long, 40 to 50 years for a bone to completely decompose. So you might not find any fragments at all. So those cold cases won't be solved. And in the cold cases, like in my book, how this person died, there's no evidence. There is no evidence. And I described in my book how that came to be, but I'm not gonna give that away. No. <laughs> um, but in, in those instances, if the killers don't trip themselves up, how do you find it? Well, what did they do with the other belongings? What did they do with the wallet? You know, the glasses, the, the, the teeth, did they, did they bury them? If so, where is it buried? You know, you have to bury those things. You can't destroy false teeth or what did the glasses were they donated somewhere. It would have to go through so many different channels to donate so it wouldn't reflect on them. Especially if it's a family member. That's what I always used to fascinate with like CSI. I was never a huge, huge fan. But one of the big things that fascinated me was at one point they they got told off because there was like, hey, you're giving people a lot of information. Like people are are actually taking things from your show and using (laughs) it in real life and and committing like heinous crimes. My own words up then. But it's, you know, it's, it's crazy. I've never, I mean, I've never really had like any abilities myself. Occasionally, uh, and this is something I've spoke about on my shows previously, is I think that if you've lived through so many different scenarios uh, and had so many different experiences, you can somewhat guess like certain patterns to things. Like, and it's really quite obvious if you've, it takes a lot. I mean, even if you're just doing the same stuff day to day, you know, if you've lived the same life for 10 years, you and your partner, you're going to know what's coming. Without a doubt, it's going to be very often that a spanner gets thrown into the works. Do you know what I mean? And yes, but there's some people who can throw you off and you don't expect it. Oh, yeah. Of they course. do things day to day and they're acting. Oh yeah, oh yeah, of course. And one day they can do you away. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm not saying there's no premonition or anything like that, but there's been moments 
very few where I've gone, mm-hmm. hey, I, I know what's going to happen with this fucking situation. And, you know, scriptured, it's happened. You know, yeah. I could bullet point like 10 steps on a piece of paper and go, okay, let's let's see which how many we get out of 10. And I'd guarantee it's probably about eight out of 10. Uh, but but that's very rare, rare. You know, I'll, I'll get, I'll, I have to, unfortunately, I'm one of these people as well where friends ask me for a lot of advice because I've been through so many really crappy random situations over the, just over the 30 years of my life that, you know, there's not much where I can't give any advice that doesn't work out or, or I'll go, well, this is the best I can, I can give. But it's, it's a shit place sometimes to be in, you know. Have you ever felt that way yourself? Because, um, you know, you see sometimes on shows where they call in someone for cold cases or, or whatever. Have you ever sort of felt, you know, that you're like, ah, oh, man, have I really got to do this today? Or has it always been, hey, I'll, I'll get onto it? You know, is there ever any sort of apprehension as to, to go, hey, this is kind of, a, you know, getting a bit too much. This is, do you know what I mean? Yes. Um, I remember when um, I would have this gut level feeling not to go to work that day. So I called in and I would call in and stay home. And one day my boss told me it was a different job, said, you have to be here because we're working on the court stuff. Well, I ended up getting into a car accident, not my fault, but I got into a car accident and I still didn't make it into work. So I, I listened to those things and now it's like, because I'm unable to drive and I use public, I use the door-to-door public transportation. There are times where I'll wake up in the morning and it's like, do I really need what I need to have? No. And I, I just know not to go. Yeah. So I don't go. And the one day that I ended up having to go to the grocery store my girlfriend told me and I had this gut level not to go but I had to I ended up contracting COVID so you know (laughs) yeah so it's like okay but it was the second time I had it so it was a mild case and I was only sick for like five days but um but still there are times where you still have to and then I'm on alert but I don't know what situation it's going to be and the cashier wasn't um, following protocol and did not have his mask on when it was mask mandated. Yep. So he came out and I had just gotten over a really bad migraine and I was, it was hard to move around. And I was, he goes, let me help unload you. And I'm like, no. And he was like there. Psh, psh, psh. And he spoke to me and I could feel his breath through my mask and I wear an extra thick mask. And 48 hours later, I lost my sense of taste and smell. But there are other days where I will want to walk my dog and I'll check the windows outside. And if there are a lot of dogs, I won't go. But sometimes I'll go out and the dogs just show up, but I pray protection and it's, it works. And it's, it's just, you know, a situation where if I didn't have a dog and I'm told not to go out, then I wouldn't go out. But like I said earlier, if she was pee-pad trained, that'd make my life easier. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the dream, isn't it? I mean, especially if you've got a small dog, because you can almost go, hey, here's a, here's a cat box. You'll be fine. But dogs, they just don't, you know, it's so tricky. Yeah. I mean, I've got two cats, and they're a nightmare. 
Um, I, I'm a big dog fan. It's just I haven't had one for many, many years now. But uh, I'm, due, I'm due to get one soon, I know. When I, when I move, that's the very first thing I'm going to get is a dog. That can just... My best friend, you know. Because they are. That's what they are. They're man's best friend. They're everybody's best friend. They just love everybody. Um, so, obviously, get back onto the, the spiritual side of things. Um, are you, a, you ever heard of... Are you a fan of, like, mysticism and stuff like that? Well, because when you... When, obviously, people talk about, you know, um, clairvoyancy or anything that's sort of in that field, it's such a huge spectrum, you know, and it can go into many different things. Um, you know, it branches into cosmology and astrology in, on some levels, you know. Um, but have you ever, like, looked into, like, mysticism and things like that? Sort of, you know, weird, sort of old-school-esque, you know, not Alistair Crowley type shit, but, you know, the, you know, like, not like Wicker or anything like that, but just anything that, you know what I mean? Anything that's a little bit like a step up. Well, when I was a teenager, I got into witchcraft and it's uh, my mother's side of, my mother's maternal side of the family was the lineage of witchcraft. And so I could do that. And I even would channel different spirits and I even became possessed. And it was really wild. And then I ended up having to have the spirit leave. And I don't do any of that now. I just go into, I don't use any mediums. I don't use crystal. I don't use cards. I just go into the energy field. And I, yeah, yeah. And I just ask, okay, God, what do you want me? What do you want to show me about this person? But I found out that if you, I send out feelers, I didn't realize how strong my gift was until the feeler came back and hit me, the energy hit me. I was, I was down the rest of the day and the next day. It's like, okay, I won't do that again. I didn't realize it took me a little while after the third time. It's like, wait a minute, Gloria, there's a pattern here. There is, even <laughs> so, go on, sorry, carry on. That's okay. But um, I have found that it's easier for me to work on one case at a time because I was working on two cases. And if I'm out there wanting, let's say I want to ask Joan about what happened to her and then, and then Keith or Kyle, they have a really strong personality and, oh, Gloria's energy is out there. And the strong personality comes through and just sucks the life out of me. I'm like, well, I need to speak with her, but no, I have something I want to tell you. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I'm writing it down and you need to do something about it now. It's like, I will as soon as we're done and then they even wake me up you know in the middle of the night or sometimes i wake up with visions and i'll write them down or i'll see a date like recently i saw the date january 5th 2022 and i don't know what it, it goes to it's my uh, dad's birthday that's what it's my dad's birthday wow now i i've got to check this it's either the fifth or the third I might have to double check this. It might be the third, actually. Hold on. <laughs> but I know, I know it's all right. This is, I'm terrible with dates. Is it the fifth? No, I think it is the third. My bad. It's the third. Oh, that would have been spooky. That, that, would, you been know, that would have been really spooky. I think I'd have uh, shit my pants then. I'd have gone, oh my God, what's going on? <laughs> Jesus. But, you know, and that's wow. where I've had when I was working on a missing persons case in Idaho, I woke up that morning 
in the middle, actually it was two in the morning and I turned the light on and I just happened to glance down at my calendar and it was flipped back to a certain date about a month and I asked the girl what is this date and she then she would tell me that I knew I was on the right case but I don't know what January 5th 2022 what that is and I'm waiting to hear back from um, a local police department to about working with them on some local cold cases and really? see if that date has any significance sometimes I've found stuff works in advance again I've spoke about this on a previous show with like with dreams you know where you have a dream and then it sort of happens in real life mm -hmm. and it's i mean it's pretty much on the dot as well it's almost like a deja vu moment where even in real life you're like wait a minute what the fuck is going on here well i had a, a moment like that where i had a dream i was on a ship uh, it was like a little ferry that just went from one side of this little place to another and i, I thought nothing of it at the time it was completely random and then must have been about 18 months 21 months later i was just sat there on the ship and i just looked out at the coast and i was like oh my fucking god that is the exact same view and it's it's so strange how occasionally that does happen like people just i think like the more lucid dreams that you have the more stuff kind of you know gets those weird synapses rolling in the fourth dimension yeah, it's very fucking weird well, along those diff a different line, but sort of similar, when I was moving from the other place, the other apartments, um, someone said, what do you want in an apartment? And I told them exactly what I wanted. And I wanted a view of the mountains. They go, it doesn't exist. Well, that's what I have. And it's funny because there were no apartments open, but I and I had already applied here not knowing. And the apartment I have is exactly as I described <laughs> and I have a view of the mountains. It's uh, the law of attraction, isn't it? In a way. <laughs> well, well, isn't it, you know? it could or couldn't be. I was just prophetically speaking about what I wanted only because that's what I was being fed of because that's. But I have a question for you. They're far away. What to any of the, I don't know how they relate to you, but I would like to find out. First word is nosy. Second word is neat freak. Third word is meticulous. So what do you want to do? Uh, take all three of them words and... How do they them? apply to your life? Do the people in your life or does oh, it apply to you? So the first word's nosy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, that's a very tricky one. Um, nosy is a very... It's a good word because the other, the other two nights ago, I could this how it relates to me if I want to talk about a recent experience. Two nights ago I was standing, might have even been last night. I was standing there just doing a bit of editing and I looked out my window and one of my neighbours was going crazy on the Peloton. Uh, and I was like, huh, let's just watch this for a minute and just see where it goes. Um, so in terms of nosy, that was actually me um, last night or the night before. I, again, he was just absolutely going nuts in the window it's, it's it's a bit of a distance but i was just sat there i seen him going crazy on the peloton and then he was doing these weird arm dances and shit and i was like i'm not gonna not watch this <laughs> like i need to see what the next I, I i have got some binoculars and i was gonna get them but that that was the next step so what was the uh what was the second word neat freak uh, neat or need neat N -E -A -T. neat freak mm. 
Um, what does it mean to me? The word neat freak. In your life. Hmm. Um. Is there someone who is a neat freak? Are you a neat freak? Or? Um, to an aspect. Um, when I want to be, I like to be very organized, but just the word neat freak. Hmm. What it means to me, I don't know. In fact, the, yeah, what it what it actually means to me is uh, it's something that's bothered me since I was a, a kid. Uh, and again, I'm going to get to it after this podcast. Is people that put dirty um, dirty dishes into a clean sink and then they have to fill it up. It gets dirty because they've just put loads of shit in there. Then they empty the water out and then have to take the plates out and then they do the whole thing again. I'm like, why don't you just put them on the side, fill up with water, put it in, wash it and bring it out. It's not necessarily a neat freak thing, but it's something that is sort of OCD to myself. I'm like, you're just putting it into there to take it out and if you put water in there, you're making three jobs. Then you've got to clean the sink, the bowl, everything else. That's, that's what that might go along with the word meticulous. Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, what made you choose those words? It's very, they're very interesting words. Because um, I was asking, I was tapping into your energy and was asking what words. Oh, I, see, I, I, like, I like things like that. I always like being asked questions that are random, like, what do you think of this? Or like top three or... Things like that I actually really love because it, it, it challenges your brain to actually go, huh, what, what, what is the, you know, what is not the, the best answer, but what's the most honest answer? You know, what's the most truthful about yourself? And that is definitely it. To be honest, all three of those can tie into the exact same answer. I know you tied up the last two, but I personally think, you know, even the nosiness, I was standing over the sink when I was looking at the guy in the peloton. So it was almost like I could have tied all three of them into one singular story. You know, I was standing over the sink, getting pissed off with people that weren't washing the dishes properly, watching that guy on the peloton over there. And, you know, I had to fucking wash these dishes like crazy and take everything out and back in again. It was almost like a complete paragraph. That's really cool. I actually like that. So anyway, um, let's let's end it up. Um, Where can people follow you? Well, they can find me on Twitter and they can find me on Instagram. We'll just type in my name, Gloria, ask H-A-S is in smile, S is in smile, like the avocado, has avocado. Um, have you got a website at all? No, I don't. I do have a link tree, um, but that is just so hard. You know, it's under Gloria's books. <laughs> well, a link tree is always good. And obviously people can find you on Amazon. Uh, the name of your book again is? The Dick Jorgensen Murder. That's the one. <laughs> I had it in my head the whole time. Just because it's a very nice name, like Dick Jorgensen. It's a good catchy name. It's it's a really cool name, like Dick Jorgensen. It's a good name. It's catchy. It sticks. Uh, and again, you know, it's been very, very fun having you on the show. Um, I'm trying to keep them short nowadays. Some people are complaining about my three-hour episodes. <laughs> well thank you for having me i've enjoyed it i really have no it's been extremely fun and i'm sorry it's taken a couple of weeks to get you on properly it's been absolute carnage my end but it's also been a pleasure today to to get you on and to uh actually have a really decent conversation and talk about many many subjects you know we've gone 
this is why I love my show. We got really loose. I had to do some cooking midway. You know, it was uh, a good show. So thank you very much, Gloria, for coming on. Uh, this has been the Post Human Podcast. Catch you next time, people. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.